And an absolutely brilliant good morning to you from the gardening programme's perspective on this fabulous sunny Saturday morning. Pori Corkin, good morning to you. Good morning, dear Dad. I thought you read that uh, weather forecast with great gusto this morning. Could you just (laughs) feel the enthusiasm to get out into it? There was real enjoyment there in reading it, I know, and I I was thinking, you know, uh, normally the forecasts come in and they can be quite wordy sometimes, depending on how many ways there are to say that it's going to be damp, rainy or cloudy. (laughs) And always on the sunny mornings, it's usually a line and that's it. We have nothing else to say today. The sun is going to shine and I'm happy to say today we're on a line from (laughs) Met Aaron this morning to say, look lads, it's just going to be sunny today. Fantastic, isn't it? Isn't it? You did Mm. say last week that we were uh, promised this fabulous week that we've had, or at least the latter part of the week, um, and that it was going to bring a spurt of growth and by goodness it has. There you go. It's been fantastic all week. I mean, the trees, the shrubs, the grass itself, the weeds, of course, they've just you know, this is what we've been waiting for and the soil temperatures have risen so well so there's been fantastic growth. Did you make use, good use of it during the year or do it during the week? Well, I went out and uh, I looked at it <laughs> a few evenings <laughs> and I, I said, it. yeah, I said, gosh, Poricle's right, everything is growing. Mm. Um, but I, as to whether I tackled the tidying of jobs, no, I didn't. I was leaving it all for this afternoon. Well, look, yeah. still plenty of time. My plan is, is I think I went out and I checked the lawnmower and I realised I didn't have enough petrol or something oh, yeah. like that. And I said, ah, <laughs> you know, well, look at the weather's promised good all weekend yeah. and right through um, into most of next week. So I think it's going to be it's going to be excellent gardening weather. And uh, again, you're going to see that growth really being very consistent over the next seven or eight days. Anyway, pretty much now I'd say from for the next couple of weeks, it's going to be very very strong growth. A lot of plants going to come into flower. And um, so, really good gardening weather. Yeah, and I, I think I could really see that during the week because somebody across the road from me has this fabulous laburnum, and yep. it's really out all of a sudden. Oh, they're beautiful! Yeah, at great the colour out yeah, of it. Yeah. Great show of colour. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, well, we have a huge amount of questions this morning because I think not only is the sunshine uh, spurring us on here in the studio, but it's spurring everybody else on as well. They've in been terms, up early. They have been up early in terms of their their, their gardening intentions and endeavours for the next couple of days. So uh, we'll get right down to questions if we may. And we're going to start off by with somebody who tells us that they're gardening for the weekend and they have a bed ready to plant with some instant colour. Uh, what would you suggest for good, long-lasting colour for well, the summer? Well, I, I don't think you're going to beat the bedding plants at the moment. Um, we're, we're right in that time. The end of May, the first week of June is really the time to get your bedding plants in. So I would be thinking of things like, you can actually get uh, plants that the nurseries have brought into flower a little bit early. So things like the dwarf dahlias would be lovely at the moment. They've just started to flower. The first flower has just formed on them and they're blooming at the moment. They'd be lovely in pots or containers mm. or in a small bed. French marigolds are good at the moment. Uh, non-stop begonias, which are one of my favourites, they come into flower certainly for the first week of June and flower right through till October into November. Senetii would be a good plant at the moment which is given a lot of colour yeah, blues, color. purples, pinks um, so for me Deirdre I, I would go straight away for with some of the summer bedding colour, um, you know begonias the marigolds, um, mimulus any of those uh, early flowering bedding plants. They're giving colour at the moment and they'll flower right through to the end of the summer. Remember to to liquid feed them. That will be important. And with this dry weather, if people have containers planted or hanging baskets Mm. planted, keep an eye on the watering. You'll want to be watering them about three times a week would be, you know, on average, give them a good heavy watering and feed them once a week from now on. And you'll really get the... You'll make the best... um, you make the best efforts of the weather that we're getting. You get the best results if you're liquid feeding and keeping plants moist. Now, don't overwash them yeah. because plants are still quite small. Um, but certainly for bedding plants, hanging baskets, window boxes, 
people have planted them up early, keep an eye on them now and they're going to be making very strong growth and with that growth you need to be watering and feeding them as well. The other tip I suppose is to mention, you mentioned plants in flower and things like, you know, if listeners maybe plant up containers with hydrangeas or the sanetii that I mentioned. Mm. Again, plants that are flowering use copious amounts of water. So when you see them coming into bloom, that's the time to start watering them and looking after them, particularly if they're in containers or tubs. Um, the soil, there's plenty of moisture in the soil at the moment, so there's no need to, to panic yet with, with you know, getting out the hose um, just yet on, on, on trees and shrubs that are in bloom. But certainly plants that are in flowering containers, just keep an eye on them. When they're flowering, they use more water. Okay, great. Now, somebody has a, a mature laurel tree. Yeah. On one side, the leaves are turning yellow and they're wondering, what can they do? They hope it's not dying. Uh, it's not, no. And <clears throat> yellowing on, on laurels is just nutritional factor. Once you feed the, the laurels, it, the, it, they'll respond, particularly with this sort of growth now. Laurels really stayed very tight. There was no growth on them for about, you know, really up into the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And over the last week or 10 days, I've, you know, I was looking at them myself during the week and they're, they're great. There's a good six inches, eight inches of new growth on laurels at the moment. But with that growth, you need to feed them as well. And yellowing and foliage in general would be a sign that they're, they're low in nitrogen. Um, and you know, and magnesium, and if you give them a good uh, balanced tree and shrub fertilizer, apply that to the base of them, and um, that will rectify the the, um, the the yellowing and the foliage. Now, you would need to water that in with this dry weather, right? So, give it good watering after, or else if it's a small hedge, maybe liquid feed it. Get a, a container of one liquid feed, mix it up in a watering can, just to apply it, and that'll rectify the yellowing in the foliage. The other thing you can do if it's, it's if it's gone a little bit, if, if the laurel hedge got a little bit damaged, mm. um, you could just give it a tidy up as well, just a very very light trim, a couple of inches, just to tidy it up and even it off. Um, but certainly the feeding will rectify that yellowing. So feed now, feed again about the end of June, and the plants will be perfectly okay. Okay. Great. Now, somebody has lots of wild grass growing in their heather <coughs> bed and okay. shrubs. Now, it's very bad at the moment, so they're wondering, do they have to pull it all or can they treat it with something? Well, you're, you're better to treat it because it, it may be scutch grass, which uh, pulling it, you're not going to, you're leaving the root behind and the scutch grass will, will regrow again. Or it could be just common meadow grass. But grass, of course, it's very strong at the moment and through a heather bed it can be difficult. The one treatment to use is a thing called fusillade which specifically kills grass without affecting the heather. So you can safely mix up your fusillade mix, apply it to the heather bed or to the shrub bed. It'll kill the grass without affecting the heathers. Now, it only kills grass, so it won't. Um, it's not to be used on shrub beds where you have broadleaf weeds. Right. It, it won't damage them. So it's specifically a grass killer. So it's a thing called fusillade. You mix it in water, just apply it. Apply it in the evening time and within about seven to ten days it'll kill the grass without damaging your heathers or shrubs. Okay, great. So, and should you apply, once you have the, the grass issue as it stands the minute solved, then should you apply something else to prevent any further growth or well, will, the, will the fusillade do that? Well, the fusillade will kill the grass that's yeah. there, the clump of grass. Mm-hmm. Um, once it's dead, you can certainly remove it, just trim it back and that's that grass dead. Uh, to prevent any further weeds, the, the listener could use premazer, which again can be used to prevent weeds from growing in shrub borders and beds. So once you clean the bed, you can certainly put on the premazer and that'll stop any further weed growth. It stops the seedlings, the, the weed seedlings from germinating. Right. So it keeps the bed nice nice and weed free. Okay. Is there anything that will get rid of chickweed out of a carrot bed? Well, if, if the carrots have been sown and they've germinated and say the carrots are five or six inches high with 
the carrot foliage on them. You can use linuron and that will kill the, the chickweed without damaging the, the um, developing carrots. If the listener hasn't planted their carrots yet, and many listeners haven't, mm. and you can still sow carrots for the next, certainly for the next six weeks, a good trick where, where you have a lot of chickweed problem is to prepare the ridge or prepare the bed, leave it alone, water, water the soil well, and leave the, the bed um, unseeded. So just leave the bed alone, allow the chickweed to come forward, which mm. it will very quickly over a 10 or 14 day period, and then treat that with a little bit of weed oil. So what that does is it kills the chickweed, the first flush of chickweed, and then you sow the seed into that um, that soil. So prepare the bed. So if the listener hasn't sowed the seed, the carrot seed, prepare the bed well now, the ridge, leave it, water it well. That would encourage any chickweed to, to germinate and start to come forward. And once it's about half an inch or an inch high, get a little bit of weed oil and treat the entire area of the ridge That'll work very quickly and the chickweed will die within a couple of days right. and then you can simply sow the seed of the, of the carrots into the prepared drill. You're not disturbing the soil, you're just literally making a small little drill and putting in the seed and you've already eliminated the first crop of chickweed that, is, that will come forward. Okay. So that's a way of getting on top of it. But I guess in this case, the listener has already sown the seed, mm. the carrots are coming up, the chickweed is beginning to become a problem. So if that's the case, then linuron will kill the weeds without affecting the, the carrots. carrots. Now remember, it's a weed killer that, that is only suitable for use on carrots. Um, so, you know, don't use any other vegetables. Okay. Uh, somebody has a small lawn. It's very pale in colour. It has lots of small weeds. <coughs> They're wondering, is there a small packet of something they can use? Well, the, probably the, if it's only a small lawn, and again with this dry weather, I mm. would I would kind of revert to a, a liquid. You can actually get um, a feed and weed in a liquid form. Okay. So you mix it up in your sprayer or your washing can. Yep. You apply it again. Apply it in evening time just before the dew. There's quite a heavy dew at night time at the moment. And that'll help to wash it into... Uh, into the grass itself. So get a little bottle of um, evergreen evergreen feed and weed. You mix it with water. You apply it through the watering can onto the entire lawn area. It'll green the lawn. It'll give a nice green colour without forcing it, but it'll also eliminate any broadleaf weeds, any dogs or daisies or dandelions or clover. It'll eliminate those, and it's an ideal solution to a small area. So if you have a small front lawn or back lawn, you just want to green it up, give it a nice bit of colour and get rid of the daisies and dandelions, then use the evergreen feed and weed and use it in the evening time. Okay, so that's a small one, and I suppose then people just to kind of continue on. If but if you have a bigger space and you have a similar situation, well then I, I would use a granulated f- uh, feed, something like Stadium, which is a three-in-one feed. Again, apply it in the evening time because the dew at night time then will help to wash it in, and it will need the moisture. There is enough moisture in the soil, mm. but again, with a couple of dry days, it's beginning to dry out. The surface is beginning to dry out, so you need the dew at night time to wash that fertilizer in. As a general rule of thumb, to dear at this yep. time of year, particularly with the very bright weather we're having listeners should avoid feeding plants during the middle of the day or watering plants during the middle of the day because that watering onto the foliage or feeding onto the foliage can magnify the effects of the sun and can burn foliage so if you have have young bedding plants or tomato plants or you know young Mm. um, it's not going to damage a mature shrub or a tree or something that's hardy and robust but if you've got small seedlings bedding plants vegetable plants herbs that sort of thing and you want to liquid feed them my advice is to do it in the evening time around 6-7 o'clock in the evening um, you avoid then any sun scorch because if you do it in the middle of the day, you're magnifying. It's like a ma- putting it's a magnifying glass. the water acts as a magnifying glass. Over the, over the leaf. And also sometimes the uh, salts in the feeds will burn the foliage in bright okay. sunlight. Okay. So the feeding of plants should be done 
evening time preferably no if you can keep it off the foliage yeah so if it's a big tomato plant in and a you, pot and you're getting it into the soil and you're getting onto the soil happy days you can you can water and feed in the middle of the day no problem right. whatsoever but you are if you are wetting foliage of young plants mm-hmm. try to do that in the evening time if possible and uh, so by the following morning the leaf has dried and there's no damage to the foliage okay good good tip um mm. now tomato plants we have a couple of tomato yes, pa- yeah. plant questions time of the year for them. yeah uh, so first of all somebody has tomato plants that are set outside and they have some white marks on the leaves and they're wondering what could this be <clears throat> that's just a little bit of, of weather damage wind or little cold temperatures will will cause that coloration on tomatoes they'll grow out of it my advice to be honest if you have tomatoes out of doors is to get them into a very sheltered spot or get yourself one of the you can get these little um pop-up tunnels that fit over the tomato plant mm-hmm. that keeps the wind and 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 the coldness off the plant so it acts like a little mini greenhouse around the base of the plant so tomatoes are very tender um a wind chill or cold temperatures at night time will give that white deposit or white uh, nearly like scorching on the foliage right. now the tomato will grow out of it so move into a nice sunny sheltered spot stake it well f- start to feed it now with the tomato feed about once a week and if you can get one of those little pop-up tunnels to put over them that's an ideal way of growing them okay. they'll, they'll, they'll actually accelerate the growth and you'll get tomatoes an awful lot earlier by having that over the, the plant um, whilst it's out of doors Okay and then somebody has tomatoes that have started to flower Great. so they're just <coughs> wondering about feeding yeah. how much and what about watering well watering again if they're just beginning to flower I would guess the plants are about 18 inches a foot to 18 inches in height the first flowers will start to come forward you really start feeding tomatoes so once you see the first truss or the first flowers starting to form fruit so when the fruit are about the size of a pea that's the time to start feeding tomatoes mm-hmm. with something like tomorite or any of the tomato fertilisers right. once a week once a week is the is the tip. So, you know, if it's a Saturday or a Sunday, pick a day and that's the day to feed your tomatoes. Um, watering will really depend on the weather and the sort of weather we're getting at the moment. Again, tomatoes are quite young plants, so they're not going to be using a huge amount of water just yet. But certainly I would be watering them about three times a week at this time of of year um, with the sort of temperatures we're getting so and as that as we go into midsummer that's going to increase to maybe every second day or certainly daily as the fruits start to form but the plants are quite small yet so they're not going to be using a, a tremendous amount of water so uh, three times a week certainly would be sufficient okay. you know and ebb on the side of just keeping them slightly dry now you know give them a good watering and then allow the compost to dry and then water again so that'll all depend on whether you've got them in a tunnel whether outside and so on so you know just gauge it okay great stuff we're going to take a quick break and you can keep your questions coming to us uh, a lot of people out and busy early this morning but if you're texting us it's 087 941 with thanks to cnc cellular we're switching your mobiles to vodafone is easy you can phone us as well Teresa is taking calls this morning for us on 0818 3055 and uh, if you want to drop us an email whether it's during this morning's program or indeed during the course of the week for next week's programme uh, you can do so by emailing garden at midwestradio.ie Now we're going to take that quick break and back in a few minutes Now you're very welcome back we have a great range of questions for you all together this morning Porik um, so we're going to keep cracking on here Peony Roses some yes. little, actually I noticed these really have come out they're over the last the week moment, they're yeah. of really, really those nice. that have uh, benefited from the warm week um, a flower forms on them uh, but the flower isn't opening yeah and that that's, can be very common in, in okay uh, in peony roses particularly with the sort of year we have um, where peony roses form their flower buds and if you get a chill 
if we get some late frosts or you get cold conditions, you get that. You, you can get actually a fungal attack to the young developing buds that stops the buds from opening. So it's it's generally typical of cold weather, cold right. spring like we've had. So I'm not surprised that we're going, we're going to get a couple probably questions about peony roses not flowering this year. And will they ever open this year? No, those buds won't. Okay. But what you will find is some of the buds on the plants, particularly the buds that form later, will flower. So you, it won't be a case that nothing will flower, but you might get up to fifty or sixty percent of the buds not opening. Um, so really, those buds are lost for this year. There's nothing the listener did wrong. Uh, it's just really down to cl- climatic and growing conditions. Now what I would do is give it a, a high potash feed, so something like a rose fertiliser would be ideal on, on peony roses at this time of year and that'll build them up for next year. So it's just it's typical of the spring that we've had. Nothing that the listener did right or wrong. Um, give it a feed now and those buds won't open so you can snip them off if you want. Right. And uh, You will find some buds on the peony rose that will Will, will will bloom will this bloom. year? Okay, but yeah. maybe not all buds. Yeah, absolutely, and they're as you say, they're terrific at the moment. They're really beautiful. If they're at out, the they're gorgeous. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're lovely. Definitely. They're lovely. Now, someone has a beech hedge, and mm. it looks like there's white mould underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a, what's the product that you mentioned well, last I, week? I think we warned. I warned them about this last week, just to keep Wind. an eye on beech in particular. Now, I checked my own beech last week. I must check them today now, just to see. But there was no sign of the aphids on them. But beech, get this: it's it's a a white aphid, a white beech aphid. We call it. It's specific to beech. It's formed on the underside of the leaves. So when you check your beech trees, just turn them over, and you'll see the white. Um, they're very distinctive very white aphids that are similar to greenfly but they're white in colour um, you simply get a little bit of a bug, bug clear or there's a good product called Provado that you can use as well mix it up in the in the sprayer apply it again if you're spraying any uh, insecticides again do it in the evening time so leave it until 6 or 7 o'clock this evening get yourself a small little canister of Provado mix it up in a sprayer and apply it to the foliage add a little bit of washing up liquid as well that'll help to stick it onto the leaf right. and that'll seed the bugs off but it's very typical of beach. So if people have beach, you can be sure you're going to get this white aphid on it. And the trouble, the thing I was saying last week was that beach is so slow growing. You don't want that pest on it because it actually holds it back even further. Mm. And it'll twist the, the growing points and it'll make a mess of the, the hedge. So right. my advice really is to treat it. Um, and even for listeners that have beach, do keep an eye out for it because you will get it. You will get this white aphid. Very atypical of ro- say green fly and roses. Mm. You know, roses will always get green fly beach will always get this white aphid so do protect them so a little bit of Provado mixed up in a sprayer apply it you might need to repeat it in three or four weeks time and that'll see it gone for the rest of the year great stuff okay and then you apply it in the evening time you know if if this sort of sunshine is you know yeah yeah, if you want to treat it in the next day or so okay now this is an interesting one somebody has a garden and they're wondering can they set blue and pink hydrangeas together and would tomato feed be okay to give it give to them well the answer is you, you you can certainly plant blue or Pink together, there's no problem. But okay. the, 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 but is the soil <laughs> conditions? But. <laughs> uh, does the soil conditions that be different to maintain the color? They do indeed. Yeah. And and for so for the blue hydrangeas, mm. and you'll see blue hydrangeas in Ackle and Belmullet and down where the soil is very acidic, or is acidy, yeah. high high low levels of lime, high levels of iron in the soil, you tend to get very dark or blue. Uh, hydrangeas in flower. So pink hydrangeas will revert to blue in those sort of conditions. Inland, where it's more limey, the the traditional pink or, you know, deep red mm-hmm. is, is the traditional colour. So the only hydrangea that doesn't change its colour is the white hydrangea. That'll remain white, irrespective of your soil type. So the answer is you can plant them certainly together, but they're going to revert either to pink or to blue. 
depending okay. on the soil types. <laughs> now, what you can do is, is get some of the hydrangea colorant. So there's a specific tub of what I think called hydrangea colorant. It's crystals that you apply to the blue hydrangea and that helps to keep it blue. Right. So, so you're, you're adding a bit of acid really into, you are into the towards the roots of that particular plant. You are Is indeed. That you're keeping the, the compost or the soil around that plant acidic, right. acid in nature, um, a very low pH and that that encourages the plant to stay blue. So the growers, for example, at this time of year are growing hydrangeas and they simply just add the crystals to the to pot to change the colour from pink to blue. Okay. And to keep the blue a good blue intense colour, they just add the crystals. Now, one application is generally sufficient. Okay, and, and will d- they change? Like, if you had a pink one now, for example, just it's like a chemistry lesson more than anything else. But uh, if you have a pink one and you wanted to turn it blue, will it turn blue like within a short period oh, of yeah. time? If you, if you, you don't have to wait till next year and things no, like no, that. No, no, Hy- hydrangeas in in the garden aren't flowering yet. The nurseries have brought them on early in mm. glasses and tunnels, so you'd often see hydrangeas for sale with flowers on them at this time of year. But that's just because they've been forced, they've been coddled into thinking it's July well, and, yeah. they're, and they're blooming. Right. Um, so the garden hydrangea hasn't formed, it's, it's just forming its flower buds now. So if you put on the crystals at this time of year, you will change the colour, the pink hydrangea, to a blue hydrangea. Okay. Right? Perfect. And you'll need to put on a fairly mature hydrangea. You'd want to, you'd want to use the tub it's a small tub. Um, you'd want to use the full tub to, to, to make sure that it that changes to blue. Yeah. Okay, very interesting experiment if somebody Isn't wanted it? to have um, both blue and pink to see could they keep one, one lot blue and one lot, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. to change the colour yeah. in them. And now there are varieties like Bluebird, which is predominantly a blue variety of, of hydrangea. But if it goes into limey soil, it will change back to pink or you might get a washy mix between the two right. colours. But to keep them that vivid blue, get yourself a little tub of hydrangea colorant it's, and it's a simple crystal like big big piece of salt and you just sprinkle it around the base of the hydrangea wash it in and that will change the the color okay and regarding tomato feed as a as a feed well there's no harm using the tomato mm. feed but to be honest um if if the listener wanted to keep their blue hydrangea blue i would also feed it with an ericaceous feed with a, a feed that's more suitable to rhododendrons um Camellias, so you can actually buy a uh, fertilizer and what they call an ericaceous fertilizer. Uh, li- again, it's a liquid feed, and that again will keep your blue hydrangeas blue. Okay, very interesting. So there's nothing, nothing, no harm using tomato feed, but, but it's not if, going to. If you're looking for it to maintain color, color, then you get yourself an ericaceous feed, a lime-free or a, a feed that's suitable for rhododendrons, azaleas, um, camellias, those plants that love acidic conditions. And isn't it funny? The people in Ackle want pink hydrangeas. <laughs> And the people in Roscommon probably want the blue ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't it always the way? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Now, um, somebody's wondering, can you repeat the name of the product for wire, worm and carrots? Okay, the, the, and the weather is absolutely brilliant for using it at the moment. The, the, the treatment I, I mentioned last week was a thing called Super Nemos. Super Nemos. Actually, if you go onto my garden website, gardencentre.ie, go into my blog, um, you'll see my, a picture of myself and just click on, onto that and the, go into the blog. I've actually written an article on Super Nemos um, and using them for... It, basically, it'll control wireworm mm-hmm. and potatoes. It'll control carrot root fly. It'll control vine weevil. And I was with a, a nurseryman during the week up in uh, down in Clare and he was telling me that he uses it now. He uses the Super Nemos in the glass houses on his shrubs to protect them against vine weevils and find, finds it very, very effective. So it's, it's great. It's a natural product. It, there's no chemicals in it. Um, it's a li- living organism that attacks the carriage root fly. Um, so 
it's a little box you get, you mix it up in your washing can and you apply it to the carrots when they're about six or eight inches high. Mm. Um, so that because the carrot root fly has to be there for the Super Nemos to work. So that's the product I mentioned. So, so it's called Super Nemos. A box will cost you about 20 euros and that'll do, you know, a good size, good number of ridges. Um, and the one box will treat wireworm and potatoes, carrot root fly and carrots, um, and and so on and and leather jackets or um, fine weevil if you've got them. So that so it's called Super Nemos. The reason I say the weather is ideal. The temperature of the soil needs to be above ten degrees Celsius for it to work for the for the parasites to actually be very effective. Yeah. Um. So the weather conditions are ideal. So you simply mix it in a water can. Again, I would do it in the evening time. Apply it, and they literally work. I was asking the nursery guy, mm. how quick do they work? Immediately. He says they work overnight. Right. Overnight. They're ready for action the minute ready they hit the ground. Action. Once they hit the ground, yeah. they they're, um, become very effective. So there's a very quick kill from uh, the Super Nemos. Okay. So look out for them. Um, and would you, see, would you see the dead wireworm then? Or is it underneath well, the soil? Well, wireworm is so small you wouldn't see them. Okay. But the, um, certainly the uh, vine weevil, you would see them dead because they're, they're quite a large grub. They're white in colour, mm. and and um, the super nemo kills them within it within a day or so. Mm. So it's very very effective, um, and it's good to hear the growers using it. You know, it's, yes, it's, you know, when you because it's not. I mean, I, I suppose growers will look at it from a commercial perspective. Point. So whatever works works exactly. Yeah, and, and they're not interested if it doesn't work, and yeah. they revert back to a chemical if yeah. if, if the the natural product doesn't Isn't, work. So yeah. it's, so it's, it's very encouraging. Yeah. Now the other thing that I've been asked is, well, does it affect the carrot? And the answer is, it doesn't. It has no interest in the carrot. Right. <laughs> right, so it, it just attacks the pests. So it, the carrots are, you know, safe to eat. As soon as they mature, they're safe, or the potatoes are safe to eat. Um, so so that's, I think, called Super Nemos. Um, very effective on carrots, root fly, wire worm, leather jackets in the soil, and the one box does all. Does what? all soil-borne pests. That sounds like a, yeah, the product, a, product of the year, free, nearly. And it's a natural... Well, it, it actually has won a number of awards. Don't ask me what they are, they oh, yeah. are but there's, there's at least two or three different awards that it's environmental awards yes. and organic yeah. awards that, that, that this particular product um, has won. Okay, and if you do want to find out more about Senior yeah. Nemo's as Pork said, he's, got, he's written an article and it's on his website, gardencentre.ie. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, now, how frost-hardy pork are Japanese maples? They're totally, totally frost-hardy, but they're not very very wind-tolerant. Um, so if you're planting Japanese maples, make sure they go into a nice sheltered part of the garden. They will tolerate some shade, so you can plant them in close to or under or, you know, nearby other plants. But um, frost-hardy-wise, they're, I mean, they, they've come through the, the, the two severe fro- winters that we've had um, unscathed. So they're totally frost-hardy, don't worry about the frost, but from a wind perspective, the leaves are very delicate on Japanese maples, so they need a sheltered part of the garden. Um, and, as I say, they'll tolerate shade, so you can put them in close to other plants. So no okay. worries in terms of frost, but do protect but them from the wind. wind. Yeah. Okay. Now, my garden has a single block front wall to the okay. road and they'd like to cover it with climbers. They're wondering, should they plant the climbers on the lawn side and train over the wall or have you to approach it from a different perspective? No, well, you could you could do that, um, but probably a better way to do it would be, I'm assuming it's the front wall, yes. so there's no soil outside on the roadside. So if you plant them on the lawn side, um, what I would do actually is drill the wall and put the stems through the wall. Oh, right, yes. Right? So you have and it kind of coming up then from the inside, you, the yeah. bottom of the inside. So the, so what to do is basically get rid of the grass on the inside of the wall, so either spray that off or just dig it all away. Um, plant your climber, say their trailing ivies would be mm-hmm. quite nice, or Virginia creeper, something like that that would be self-clinging. Uh, prepare the soil well, plant the, the ivy in, take it off its cane, then drill 
maybe half an inch hole in the wall, right at the, the base of the wall, and feed the plant, the stems of the plant, through the wall onto the outside of the wall, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then put a couple of electrician clips onto the stems and they'll clamber up the wall. And it'll actually be a very neat, tidy job. It, it'll, look as if, it'll look as if they're growing from the outside of the wall. Of the base, but, yeah. yeah. Which they technically are, but they're just coming through the base. They're, they're coming through the wall, yeah. yeah. So that's what I would do, is plant them on the lawn side, prepare the soil well, uh, drill the hole, drill, if it's only a single block wall, mm. drill the wall and feed the stem of the plant or the stems of the plant through the wall and feed them onto the outside wall. Clip them on with a few electrician clips and up she'll go. Okay, great stuff. Now, and, and ivies would be lovely, things like gold heart, yes. gold chide would be lovely. Um, the, very, the variegated evergreen ivies, they're self-clinging, they're ideal on walls, they give colour all year round. Virginia creeper would be another nice plant, again, fast growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and with any of those in time, you could also introduce some flowering climbers if you wanted. Okay. Now, someone has dandelions growing up through small shrubs in their shrub bed. Mm. How do they kill them without damaging the shrubs? Now, this is different to the heathers, isn't it, that we were talking well, about? Well, yeah, well, and the heathers we were talking about, fusillate, which, is, which will only kill grass. But with the if this is dandelion, then what I would use, I mean, the, the problem is you can't spray the dandelion without spraying the shrub. Mm. But there is a... There is a um, there is a solution in terms I'm just trying to think what the name of it is it's called Roundup Gel so it's like I think we had this a couple of weeks back it's like hair gel Mm -hmm. in a a container Uh, but it's got the Roundup mix to it and you can simply just apply it onto the leaf of the dandelion so it'll mean taking the dandelion plant put on a glove on your hand take the dandelion leaf and literally with this uh, Roundup Gel it's ready to go you buy the product and you just uh, spread it onto the leaf of the dandelion that'll carry the treatment down into the root and kill it off without affecting your shrub mm. so it's ideal for spot treating if you've got weeds up through shrubs or you know up through say convolvulus wrapping itself around a, the stem of a tree something like that where you just want to spot treat an individual weed or you've maybe a big dandelion in the middle of the lawn but you don't want to necessarily treat mm. the entire lawn you could use that gel um, uh, simply on the foliage and that will eradicate the weed. It'll just isolate that weed and kill it without affecting anything else. Okay, one more before a quick, another quick break. Uh, you mentioned uh, a mix <coughs> with Roundup. Uh, I think, what, was it last week we talked about that? We could have. Yeah, could you just repeat it? Well, the mix <laughs> with the thing to mix with Roundup, and yeah. I probably was talking about um, weed control, say, in rose beds or shrub borders or pathways and driveways. If you want, to, I think that was the question last week. Somebody was looking for a solution to keep their, their gravel or pathway yes. weed free. So you could use Roundup, which will kill any weeds that are there. But to that, you could mix a thing called Premazer 57, which is uh, a weed killer that stops weeds from growing. So it's ideal on paths and driveways or through shrub beds or borders or under hedges or in a rose garden, say. Um, Premazer will stop the weeds from growing. Now, if you're mixing it with Roundup, you've got to make sure that none of the Roundup gets on the foliage of any plants because they will damage those. Yeah. So, um, so for weeds on driveways, pathways, patio areas, the Premazer and the Roundup mixed together is a very good solution and treatment. If you're using it in shrub borders and beds, make sure that you cover the shrubs um, with some polythene or some pots to keep the Roundup mix off the foliage. Okay. But that would kill and prevent weeds then in the borders or beds as well. Okay. So they can be safely mixed together. Okay. Right, quick break. Uh, we're back again in a few minutes. Now, uh, we're not skipping questions, but there's an awful lot of questions about daisies and lawns, yeah. Boric. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they lovely? Oh, yeah. If you want to make a daisy chain, maybe. Yeah. Well, daisies, I mean, look, they're easy. They're e- it's easy to get rid of them. Um, you can use a... The, probably the best treatment is a thing called dicoflar. 
which is a broad which is a broad spectrum um, weed control for lawns. So it'll kill your daisies, it'll kill your dandelions, it'll kill clover. Um, so that's a thing called dicoflower. It's sold in a litre bottle. It cover quite a big area. You simply mix your water and apply it on. Um, and I think I suppose if you if you want to get rid of daisies, the thing is you know letting them flower and going to seed now is going to cre- create a, a population for next year. Yeah. So, you know, get on top of them now and you'll, you'll certainly get rid of them. And they'll die within a couple of days if you use the... Um, the dicoflower. Dicoflower. For small areas, you could use the evergreen feed and weed I mentioned this morning. If it's a small area and you just want to get rid of them, then the, that, that's a liquid. You mix it in water and apply it. And again, um, you'll find it very effective. And again, <clears throat> when using weed killers, again, I would prefer people to do it in the evening time. Right. You know, do it in the evening time, you'll find it more effective. Okay. find it more effective on plants. So dicoflower will, will see the, the daisies and the dandelions off the lawn if you want to get rid of them. Now, we have a few questions about rhubarb today <coughs> yes. and it seems the rhubarb isn't doing all that well this year. Somebody has rhubarb that came up uh, but just died off. Why did this happen? And somebody else ha- had a plastic <coughs> bin over the rhubarb for about five to six weeks but when they removed it, the rhubarb was dead. Yeah, and, and uh, putting the black bin over them is, is I often tell people to do that in right. January because it's a way of forcing rhubarb early in the spring. You cut it into thinking it's, it's, it's in the dark. Ra- oh, so right. it, think, it still thinks it's underground and it keep, continues to grow. So it's a lovely thing to do in right. January and you'll have a lovely rhubarb by the end of February, early March. Um, you not you wouldn't necessarily do it at this time of year, but certainly in the springtime, it's a great way to, to force rhubarb. Uh, having said that, rhubarb has struggled this year. My own rhubarb is exactly the same um, because it's, if you think about it, and I was saying this to you off here, that mm. April actually has been a very dry month for the West of Ireland. We haven't got a normal uh, level of moisture in April. Um, and people are probably saying to me, "Well, geez, the weather wasn't great, and yeah, it wasn't." Is that fella cracked? Yeah. So you had you had a um, you had low levels of moisture, but you also had very cold conditions. And if you think that rhubarb has to grow from nothing to two feet to produce its stems, mm. it needs the really good weather that we had back in March. And rhubarb was brilliant back in March, right up to the beginning of April, and then it went downhill. Now, what I would do, and what I'm going to do with my own rhubarb bed, is clean it up, take off any of the dead or damaged leaves, anything that's thin or wizard and I'm going to clean it off um, and I'm going to water it well heavily and feed it again and I think you'll get a second flush of new stems uh, for July and August if you do that. So I'm going to tidy up the bed because it's very wizen. The, the branches are falling over. There's a lot of damage on the stems and, and it's really ju- just down to the poor growing conditions. There's no pest, there's no disease, there's nothing like that that you have to worry about. Right. It's just down to very that cooler temperatures and just it, we didn't get that softness that rhubarb needs okay. to really flush and grow well. So I would clean off the bed water it well I mean literally put the hose on it and leave it running for an hour or so on the bed water it well and then give it a good feed and that that will you, you, it'll re-energise the bed again Okay Now uh, somebody's wondering is it too late to sow ash trees? Well it's not too late if you uh, can get them potted so bearroot plants and that's generally how ash is planted like beech or ash or oak uh, you know once they've broken leaf and mm. particularly with the sort of heat we're having I wouldn't bother with bearroot plants now they're finished for this year really um, until next November potted ash trees yes or potted beech trees no problem whatsoever and indeed a lot of people have been asking me during the week with the warm weather can they plant plants in general because things gone too dry and they're not if you go down a couple of inches into the soil there's plenty of moisture there so if you've got plants for planting then get them planted you can certainly water them in afterwards which would be advisable but in terms of planting the weather is absolutely ideal and the soil conditions are ideal for planting but those ash trees would need to be in pots 
they need to be potted at this time of year to plant or else leave it until November and get some bare root plants then. Okay, here's a lovely story. Somebody has peony roses. Yes. And they're set since about the 50s and they have 52 flowers on them at present and they're wondering, is it a record? 52 blooms. You know, can you imagine the picture that that would be? That the flowers, be stunning. The flowers on, on peonies, as you know, are, mm. they must be four to six inches in diameter. They're so a good big lump of a fist, really. So 52 yeah. blooms. I mean, it, but it just shows you, 1950s yep. it was planted, so 50 years 50, 60, 60 years, years, 62 years planted. And that's the longevity of peony roses. I mean, they're a plant that, if you get them, now they can be shy to flower for maybe three or four years. Okay. But once they start to bloom. Well, now if they last 62 years. 62 years. And you can divide them, uh, you know, in the wintertime and, and transplant them carefully. But uh, yeah, it probably is a record. I mean, they are very good this year, I have yeah. to say. They're and lovely. are they, because, and because they are as good this year, I suppose maybe we're more conscious of them. Um, and the fact that they're out now at the minute. Um, are they, do they last long, peony roses? No. As in, no, so they're short-lived. They're yeah. a bit like well, our old cherry blossom, I suppose. Yeah. But, yeah. They're beautiful when they're bloom. Yeah. And you'll probably get them to flower up into the middle of June you know, maybe for another two to three weeks. Okay. But after that, they go out of flower. And that's, I suppose, yeah, that's the sad thing about them. That you tend to get a beautiful flush of colour early in the season. You know, early mm. summer is their time, but then they're gone. And if you think about it, you know, May, early June is a time in the garden when there's not an awful lot in bloom. The, the spring plants have gone out of bloom, the forsythiae and the, the early spireas, mm. and the roses and so on haven't come into flower yet. So peony roses fill that gap in the kind of late spring, mid early summer, they fill the gap in the in the borders, the herbaceous borders. Things like lupins and so on aren't in flower just yet, or delphiniums or whatever. So they fill the gap. But they're a great plant, and they're so easy to grow. Mm. And once you plant them, the thing is just to leave them alone, let them do their own thing, and come up every year. Um, but you can still plant them at this time of yeah, year. Right. You can; they're still available in pots to put into to the put garden. In. Yeah. Now you won't get much colour from them this year. Yeah. But, but if you get sixty-two years, so that's it, that's that. I have to say, I'd love to see a picture of that. If yeah, that person uh, would like to email us in a, in a photograph, I'd love to see it. Or indeed, anybody rows. who has something in their garden that they're particularly proud of and they've had for a long time, uh, you know, always feel free to to share it with us here because we'd love to see how you're getting on. Now, somebody's wondering about a privet hedge. How can you kill the grass underneath it? I suppose. Well, that's. A bit like our heathers, is it? So, what would you use? Uh, fuselage. Fuselage, there you go, yeah. Use the fuselage. Sorry, I, do, I wonder, has the name registered in my brain or not? Sorry. It's not that I'm not listening to Porik, I am, I promise. Um, but do remember that it only kills grass. Yeah, only grass. So, and it'd be perfect on the privet hedge. Ideal, just mix in water, apply it to the, the grass. It'll kill the grass without affecting your privet hedge. It doesn't contamin- t- contaminate the soil either, so okay. it won't affect the roots. What's good to feed goji berry bushes with? Well, you need a high potash feed, and that would apply to all fruiting plants, like gooseberries and black currants, and all fruiting plants are actually excellent this year. So, uh, high potash feed, again, rose fertilizer would be ideal. You can either use a liquid feed, uh-huh. so the tomorite tom- for the tomato feed that would is, be yes. ideal. It's high potash. And um, one liquid feed would also be good. Or else get yourself a small uh, box of, of rose fertilizer. Um, a top rose would be a good one. A granulated feed, apply it around the base of your fruit trees now and that'll that'll, that'll boost them on okay. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, 25 or 30 fruit trees planted last year some have died the person is wondering why would this be well it depends I mean why have they died there could be lots of reasons yeah. you know the plants themselves might have been just weak um, I suppose putting in 25 you might expect one or two to fail uh, but you know it's I wouldn't I wouldn't guess that it's a, a soil issue or a pest problem I would I would 
lean towards maybe some of the plants just might mightn't be as strong as the others. But don't let that put you off. I mean, you know, you can still plant fruit trees, gooseberries, mm. blackcurrants, strawberries, all of those plants are still available to put into the garden. They're potted now, so they're that bit stronger. And by planting them at this time of year, um, you know, you're guaranteed nearly success as long as you keep them watered and, and give them an occasional feed. Um, so, you know, don't, don't, don't let that put you off with the fact that one or two plants fail. Um, that happens. That's okay. life. Okay. <laughs> Very philosophical. <laughs> Can you set dahlias outside now? Yes. Great time to, to plant them out of doors. Um, again, you know, just pick a nice sunny location dahlias like a good if it's particularly for the tall dahlias if they're using them for cutting if you can get some organic compost some rotten manure some stable manure or buy a couple of bags of, of rotted uh, organic matter dig that into the soil that's what dahlias love make sure that you keep them well watered and keep them well fed because again they have to grow a bit like the rhubarb grow from nothing up to three or four feet before they start to flower and once you do that they'll, they'll reward you with lots of colour from first week of July right through to November right. now somebody has set two pots of sunflower seeds they've yep. grown lovely but overnight they've disappeared something must have eaten eaten <clears> them <throat> now is it too late to replant seeds no no sunflowers can still be from, sown from seed now I would sow them indoors um, so sow them in a windowsill a bright windowsill again simply get a pot sunflower seeds are quite large so they're very visible mm. great for children to sow sow them into a, a, a pot maybe 20 seeds in, in a 6 inch pot Make sure the compost is moist and cover with cling film. Leave them on a bright winds- windowsill. In this sort of weather, they'll germinate within a week. Um, take the cling film off. Grow them on for maybe another two weeks, 10 days to two weeks. When, the, when they're about seven or eight inches high, that's the time to plant them out of doors and uh, they'll be perfectly okay. So start them off indoors. You, you just give them that, that kick start. And they'll flower probably September, October for you. It'll be late flowering, but they will flower this year. Okay. Now, somebody has an ornamental maple tree planted two months, but it looks like it's dying. Mm, well, again, if it's the ornamental maple, if it's back to our Japanese uh, maple, mm. um, remember that they are very wind sensitive um, and it, it sounds like it's in, in too poor of a condition or too poor of a location. I would carefully lift it, maybe grow it in a pot for this year just to get until it comes back into its right. full health and then replant it into a more sheltered spot in the autumn. But ornamental maples or Japanese maples are very susceptible to wind um, and, you know, even the blustery wind will tear the leaves and damage them. So it sounds like it needs to be moved to a more sheltered location. Okay, and last question for you, Porik. Uh, Acer red spiky leaves and the bark is cracked. It's bulging and chipping and leaves are falling off us. Would we have... That's a fungal fungal disease okay. on, on the Acer. Um, you could use a little bit of fungus clear, which is a, a fungicide that can be sprayed onto the foliage and that, that will help to arrest it. Now, it depends how bad it is. If it's very ba- damaged, um, then it, you might be better just disposing of that plant, to be honest. Okay. You know, if, it, if it's very damaged, if there's a lot of cracking, a lot of oozing of the sap out of it, if it's just minor, then get get a little bit of fungus clear. It's already mixed up in a container, sprayed onto the, the stem and foliage, and that will arrest the problem. Okay. Sadly, that is all we have time for there this morning. Until, until next week. Until next week. Were you watching Chelsea, incidentally? During I was. I didn't get an opportunity yeah. this this uh, this week, but hopefully it'll be repeated over the weekend. But oh, I believe sure it was it fantastic. It was very yeah. good. And we had a lot of Irish winners as well. Jeremy Cavan won a prize and uh, we had a florist as well for me. There was a lady from, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly where she's from, somewhere, not not on Chocolate, but it's, it's somewhere near there. And yes, uh, she won, I think, florist of the year. Or, I know there's so many categories in Chelsea because it's just massive. Yeah. Um, but not to forget that 
bloom, bloom. of course. Well, I was just going to say that yeah. bloom is starting this Thursday. Uh, next Thursday I should say uh, right through to the following Monday and we have some half price tickets available in the garden centre so if you're in the garden centres over the weekend ask the guys for some of the half price tickets I should say that it allows one adult pays full a full, full price, price and the second adult goes in for half price and kids are free in Bloom okay. so for a family day um you know, it, it's, a it's, it's a great it's, event. And it won't rob the bank, or at least to, exactly. get, in, to get in. Exactly. So yeah. if you're in the garden centres over the weekend, ask the staff for some of the half price tickets. You, you won't have to pay us for them, but right. when you go to Bloom, um, if you use them, you just pay half price for one adult. Okay, lovely. So, Porik, have a lovely I, I weekend. Yeah, and we'll talk to you again next Saturday. And thanks to all of you as well for uh, tuning our way and for all of your questions. And as I said, we'll do it all over again next Saturday morning. Until then, have yourselves a wonderful Saturday and weekend.